Explore the history, relationships, expertise, and data that go into ensuring Stein growers get maximum yield potential. This is the Stein Seedcast. Here's your host, David Thompson. Hello, and welcome to the Stein Seedcast. I'm your host, David Thompson, National Marketing and Sales Director for Stein Seed Company. We've got another great episode lined up with special guests, expert insights, and discussion on everything you need to know about maximizing yield potential. On today's episode, our special guest is Charlie McKenna, Director of Sales for MyYield. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Thank you, David. So MyYield is a manufacturer of innovative seed treatment systems. The company works with growers to take advantage of the latest seed treatment technologies, from applications to base chemistries, active ingredients and over-treatments, and more. As director of sales for MyYield, Charlie leads their sales division so that they can educate customers on the benefit of the MyYield seed treatment technology and return on investment for seed inputs. Today, he's going to walk through some of the advantages of seed treatments, including on soybeans and the various options that are available out there for growers. So let's get started. Well, Charlie, you know, you and I have known each other for a very long time, (laughs) but uh, for our listeners, I know you've not been on the podcast before, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and some of your background? Yeah, absolutely. Grew up in eastern Iowa. Vinton, Iowa is uh, is home. Dad and mom were in the seed business, you know, family farm, etc., and so I was just kind of always around working with farmers at a, at a young age. We just, uh, it was something we always did with plot days and things like that. You know, went to school at Iowa State and kind of thought maybe I'd end up in the seed business too. And uh, had an exposure to the chemical business, which is what my grandparents uh, were actually in. And so had kind of a, a, a seed background and a chemical background. And that created the uh, the perfect opportunity to, to go to work for a startup company called the Ventus, or excuse me, a Grevo at the time, okay. um, back in the uh, mid mid nineties, if you will, and so helped launch Liberty Link, and hence some of our uh, some of our relationship began back then. I guess yep. you know with yep. uh, launching the Liberty Link program and Liberty Link. So a Grevo turned into a Ventus, a Ventus turned into Bear, and so I spent uh, quite a few years working uh, for Bear and Legacy companies. Uh, various roles and responsibilities. Responsibilities while uh, while I was at Bayer, um, wonderful company. Did I just uh, had a wonderful time working for those guys? And at the end of my life at Bayer, I really got exposed to our seed treatment business, uh, launching Olivo, Poncho Votivo, a lot of those technologies, um, selling seed treaters to a lot of the you know the big uh, commercial drum style machines, and so I just had a strong background in seed treatment and, and seed treatment equipment. And a, you know, a recruiter reached out to me and said, hey, Charlie, there's a small seed treater company in Olwine, Iowa, that's building treaters more designed for a farmer to do it themselves with what they want, when they want, as they want. And I'm like... Who in the heck would that even be? I, you know, <laughs> I'd live in this business, you know, and I, I couldn't even think of who that would be. And and I at first I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not your guy. I'm not interested, you know. And uh, but I'm curious. And so I went over there and I took a look at w- what they had. It was fast. It was easy. It was accurate. I'm like, I know 30 farmers right now that would probably just take this on themselves <laughs> and. 
and do it themselves, you know, really empowering themselves to do it. And so, you know, left the big corporate world behind, I guess you could say. And uh, I've been here for just short of a decade now. Wow. And, uh, and started off just kind of empowering farmers one at a time to take control of this process themselves. And so, like you said, I mean, a, you know, a decade with my yield, and but prior to that, several years of experience within, you know, the Bayer system as well. So a fair amount of your career being spent in the seed treatment side of the business. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a, it's a fun space. I enjoy the, the challenges that come from it. And it's just a, a lot of times people don't realize it's a full-time job <laughs> just focusing just on seed treatment, let alone, I don't know how everybody tries to be experts on herbicides, fungicides, uh, you know, anhydrous and, and fertilizer and fertility, all of that. It's just a, it's a full-time job for me just with, with just <laughs> seed treatment alone. So I can't imagine trying to be an expert on all, on all the rest of it. So you talked about, so the company you went to work for is called MyYield. So tell us about MyYield and their offering and what they do. Yeah, absolutely. So so MyYield is the, uh, we're really the only company in the industry that we build our own treater. We can customize and build pretty much any seed treatment blend that the farmer or seed dealer would want and sell it to them in the quantity that they need. And then we provide that on farm support and training where we can come out and teach you how to do it yourself and show them what it should look like and what it shouldn't look like, what's normal and what's not normal. And so we try to be that one-stop shop, if you will, for anybody. Maybe you're a farmer, maybe you're a Stein ISR we don't really discriminate. We yeah. we try to treat everybody the same. And and so it's really taken off with folks in 20-something, 27 states now. I think we've got equipment right. in. And so, you know, I'm just an Iowa farm boy, and I had to learn how to treat cotton in Louisiana <laughs> and, and Mississippi. And so it's just been a, a wonderful, wonderful experience just learning all these new crops, et cetera. Good. Well, you know, I wanted to do an episode about seed treatment. So once I thought of that, I thought, well, I got to gotta talk to Charlie. You're, you're going to be the guy. So brought you in today to talk specifically about soybean seed treatments. You know, we're the seed guys, right, at Stein. And so, you know, we, we really focus on the genetics inside. But seed treatment on soybeans continues to grow, continues to be a big part of the business and the industry. And so I guess to start things out, you know, it occurs to me there's probably more than one way to evaluate the benefit of seed treatments. But in your mind, when you're talking to growers, you know, how do you advise that they should be looking at seed treatments? Yeah, I think it's something that's really starting to get traction and get control. I think guys have got to start looking at the differences between all of the different technologies, you know, I mean, back in the day, you know, when, when dad sold seed, we sold soybean seed at, you know, people were planting at 200 or 220,000 plants per acre. And if, if they drilled it, you know, and so, you know, and of course, then the, the seed treatment technology came out, you know, you know, your apron maxes, and then along come the insecticides with your cruiser maxes, etc. And so the the thing really started to evolve and guys started to figure out, you know, if I treat these things, I don't have to plant them as heavy and they'll help 
you know, they can still kind of bust through the, the crust. And we're just getting smarter and smarter about soybean production. And soybeans have went from being, well, I'm a corn grower that I also happen to raise soybeans because I have to, to people are saying, you know what, if I focus on soybeans and I treat the soybeans as good as I focus on my corn acres, my soybean acres can be very profitable for me. And so I think a lot of the thing that's changed about this is we've got newer tools, newer active ingredients that are providing better solutions to the old problems where, you know, the old just throwing on a base generic fungicide maybe isn't quite as good as what some of the newer technologies can provide in terms of stand establishment and, and getting seed up and out of the ground, you know, quickly and evenly. So, yeah, so, and, and I want to talk in a minute about some of the, the different combinations and, and technologies that are out there. But, you know, again, looking at, it occurs to me that, that there's a lot of things going on in the seed treatment space. So, you know, as a grower, I mean, the ultimate measure of success is, is I suppose, is yield. But at the end of the day, you know, does on-farm success predicted by the research that's done or how do how do growers sit down and evaluate what makes sense for them I think that is probably you know if I think back you know 10 or 15 years ago you go to the ICM conference at you know I was pick on Iowa State right and they would present their data and they're like well it doesn't look like treatment paid again and you look at the IPSA trials across all of the different seed treatments and you might see, you know, treated versus untreated barely be a half a bushel better, right? Like when right. you're looking at the research plots and data. And it's like the thing that, you know, I think that definitely delayed its adoption. You know, when people would look at the data and they'd hear from their, you right. know, their favorite university and say, gosh, we just didn't see anything. But what we found was, you know, we don't farm four rows wide you know, or in a 25 or a 50 foot plot at, at a time. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. so when you think about, you know, how, what, you know, what the seed treatment has been in the past, it has been defense. And so when you take a tabletop level field, four rows wide and do replicated trials and move it around, it's not necessarily uncommon for guys to say, gosh, I didn't see anything there. And so I think that does make it hard and does make it challenging for people to say, well, my, my favorite university or my favorite land grant didn't see anything, therefore I'm not treating. And what I would tell you is guys are seeing bigger advantages to it in real life field, you know, in real life farming situations where maybe you've got a CP side hill or you've got some low ground that it got rain and rain and rain. You can definitely see people were seeing the benefit from those types of environments, right? And that is where, you know, it was really the university saying, oh, we don't think it pays. And the farmer saying, gosh, I think it, it does on our acres. And there's just being a, a, a battle perhaps that took a longer time for it to get the traction perhaps or the uh, adoption well, and it's kind of an interesting scenario because, again, for, from our standpoint, from a genetics standpoint, 
you know, trying to level the playing field is what you're trying to do, right, to, to value those genetics, you know, so the extent you can, you're going to use flat and black dirt because you want to, you want those genetics to stand out. But like what you're saying here is, well, but that's not necessarily going to be the environment that's going to show the best outcome or, or is not necessarily going to show the true outcome on a whole field average just because it's highly managed and it's, you know, kind of a micro, micro environment within that field, right? Yeah, I think that's the way to, to look at it, you know. In the past, historically, you know, defensive seed treatment, it only can protect you from pathogens that are in the soil, right? Yeah. So if you have a field that was pattern tiled and laid perfect and it was the perfect spring, you know, it's not uncommon for someone to say, well, I did treated versus untreated and I didn't see any difference. I would agree. That's a very possible outcome with old school you know, defensive seed treatments that that could have happened. Sure, the challenge back, or you know, what a farmer would say to somebody that had a situation like that is, it's kind of like homeowners insurance. Just because your house didn't burn down that year doesn't mean I didn't need the protection and right. the, and the safety that that can come from that. And so, for a very small investment, you can get quite a bit of protection. It's you know, yep. The old saying, name one thing a farmer likes to do once but doesn't like to do twice, planting, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You know, it's nobody likes to do it twice. Yeah. So certainly there's benefits to getting it out early, getting that stand up, and, and that's becoming more and more clear as time marches on. So over time, seed treatment in soybeans has become just increasingly more and more prevalent, I think. I guess, curious, Charlie, are there, are there factors you would attribute that to why we see such a large percentage of the soybeans now being treated with something? Yeah, I think a lot of it goes back to people planting earlier and earlier, trying to get that plant to throw more flowers and, and you know, really more nodes and more nodes, you know. More flowers, more flowers, more pods is, is is what the goal is. And so the folks pushing yields or the you know, a lot of these high yield guys, they're planting beans the same day they start planting corn, right? Mm -hmm. right. We're pulling back on populations, we're focusing on spacing. That's evolved. That's a changing cultural practice. And so if you're going to make those changes and we are planting beans in, in colder soil conditions. A lot of benefit can come from protecting that plant with a seed treatment. Think about all the, you know, sometimes the sudden death problems, you know, are certainly more of a point of infection with the earlier planted soybeans. And so, you know, your olivos and your sultros definitely have shown some some bigger benefits to guys. You know, you start getting hit by SDS at 20 bushel an acre that pays for seed treatment for a long, long time to the point where guys are saying, yeah, I'm not planting beans without a maximum defensive package. And that, I think, has probably changed more than, than anything else. It's just the, our mindset of when we used to plant beans the end of May and first part of June to a lot of beans in Iowa are getting planted in April, if possible. Yep, we're definitely seeing that trend. Mm-hmm. So talking specifically about seed treatment and soybeans, you know, there are obviously 
a lot of different kinds of seed treatment. I wonder if you would break down for me just the just the basic subcategories that go into seed treatment on soybeans. Yeah. So I think the thing that you've got to try to, you're always looking to try to build a blend that goes after, you know, your Pythium, your Phytophthora, your Fusarium, and your Rhizoctonia. Those are the big four that you're going after. And so you're trying to build a fungicide package that goes after those big four. And there is a lot of different ways to try to accomplish that. And everybody's got their opinion on their way to do that. We're saying we always try to take more of a maximum defense approach at at my yield, where we try to jack up the rates because we have farmers that will plant beans on the Canada border, and we've got them in the Delta and in Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, et cetera. And so we see all kinds of environmental conditions Therefore, that constantly is causing us to build this stronger, more robust defensive blend so we don't ever have to say, David, I'm sorry, I tried to save you too much money and we were too light on some of these rates, and now you've got to, in fact, go out there and replant these. We've just taken a a different approach to that. So I think that the thing that you're always trying to figure out is, what are the products in my blend that are getting me control for the Pythium, the Phytophthora, the multiple Fusarium species, and Rhizoctonia? What I can tell you is there are a lot of newer active ingredients that are that are really providing better control than what maybe some of the stuff has been, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. And so I would want to know what those, you know, what my seed dealer you know, was recommending, what's the co-op recommending for this and why? Because some of these newer AIs can really provide more protection and then getting that more even uniform stand establishment has has been a big deal. From an insecticide standpoint, again, you know, everyone's kind of working with the same thing there. You're working with the neonic classic, you know, category. The neonicotoid is a wonderful tool we all need to steward that tool, steward that technology to keep it around as a viable um, solution as much as we can. So you're looking for a fungicide-insecticide blend that provides that protection is, is what, uh, what you're really going after. So I think over time, you've got fungicides and insecticides have kind of been the building, the foundational elements of seed treatment. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. More recently, we've now gotten into the world of biologicals. So that is a space that I think there's a lot of, a lot of things going on. I guess, what are, what are your thoughts there? I think biologicals are really the, the future. You know, if, you know, if you and I develop a new seed treatment this afternoon in our garage and we think, man, this will be a great product to, to go replace metal axle with, right? Think about the amount of money that's going to be spent to develop a registration for that. Mm. You know, for a product that costs a dollar or two per acre, nobody's investing, in that space, right? Everybody wants to invest in uh, some fungicide that they can spray through the airplane and make, you know, $18 an acre on. So in a lot of, in a lot of ways, biology is kind of the next frontier in terms of from an ROI and, and a cost effectiveness, guys are able to see some positive results from it. 
it gets to be a very confusing space for farmers, <laughs> for seed dealers, because there are 1,300 different biological companies out there right now, and everybody's kind of got the same verbiage. <laughs> they all sound alike in terms of what their benefits are. Let me guess, mm -hmm. you're going to improve germination. Let me guess, you're going to even up my stand and uh, give me better vigor. It's a similar story across a lot of these, and that's true. That's how they do it. It's just the way I kind of like to explain it to people is biologicals can be broken up under almost all of them will fall under one of four categories. They're either a fungi, they're a bacteria, they're a food source for fungi or bacteria, or they're basically under the plant growth promoter category. So when you're talking to somebody that's telling you about their biological, I want you to think, is it a, you know, which one of those four categories does it fall under? And am I already doing something like that? Okay. And so you're not doing an overlap of the, of the same type of, uh, right. you know, technology. And so I think that has been an area of emphasis for, for our team, you know, with, with any of our regional seed treatment specialists, where we're trying to help educate growers on, tell me about your biological, what's the product you're using on your farm now, and let's see how that, you know, works, you know, with what we're trying to put on, you know, from, from a seed standpoint. So, so, yeah, so in an overall sense, you can have a fungicide component, which is basic chemistry. You can have an insecticide component, which is basic chemistry. Then biologicals sort of bridges over all of that in some cases, can be, can be one or the other or both or something completely different. Yeah, it really can. I mean, there's biologicals that help start to fill in some of the gaps where some of these fungicides are, 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 are starting to fall a little bit short, perhaps. So there's biologicals that you could add in to help beef up your disease control. There are biologicals that are nothing more than putting a food source on the seed to wake up the biology that's in that spermosphere right around this, the kernel of seed and get that creating that, that give and take creating that that mm. bartering environment with the plant right away. Mm. And so, you know, we just take more of a holistic approach to it where we're saying don't just go throw a fungi on and hope it works. We're saying if you're going to do that, make sure there's a bacteria because the, fu the fungi is a secondary colonizer. And if you're going to put on bacteria, you better pack it a lunch and put on a food source. And if you're going to put on a food source, make sure you're using some type of a plant growth promoter to get the roots growing quicker so that biology can actually be sustained on the seed once the food source runs out. So it's a more holistic approach. And, you know, literally we have a, a team of people that, that are constantly focused on that, trying to just say, stop playing roulette by just trying this bug and hope it works and take more of a holistic approach to it is, is what a lot of our guys are doing. And, and that's kind of the approach we're trying to help work with growers and dealers on. So I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, though, that also it sounds to me like this probably adds a layer of complexity just from the pure application standpoint, because some products have different lifespan than other things, and biologicals are probably a whole different realm. So that's another factor that goes into all this is, okay, not only what do you want to do, but now, okay, what's your setup? What are you doing? Where are you getting? So 
I mean, is that fair to say that that's a whole nother ball of wax here? You're absolutely correct in your thinking. You know, some of the biologicals, you know, if it's just a food source, we could treat it today and plant it in May. We'd be fine. You know, it's not, it falls under a biological, but it's not a living, you know, it's not like a living bacteria, for example, that's going to be running out of gas and, and, and dying. There are other, you know, there's other bacteria that we recommend as a game day treatment. Mm. Our best results are treat treat that box of corn and then plant that. That one goes Go in the ground field. that day. So you're spot on. Several of them are, you know, again, longer life on seed. And some of them, we know they they need to be planted. Like, as a, you know, the mentality is a game day type treatment. I know, I think they, I think there's data that says, oh, it's good yet for seven days. Well, David, it doesn't get any more alive <laughs> than the day you put it on the seed. <laughs> right, right. So plant, you know, and that's the, you know, that's kind of the teaching. Like we, we try to get guys to understand is plant that one the same day. But I would assume then in your world, that's a little different. It's a change to the educational process because now you're going beyond basic chemistry and now you're talking about cultural practice, right? So how are you geared? How are you set up? Are you able to you know, turn this in the time frame that we're talking about, because that's really how you're going to get best results. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, David, when we first started this thing out, it was like, you know, Mr. Farmer, buy a seed treater, cut your treatment bill in half, do it yourself with what you want, when you want, as you want. And then like, it, it really evolved to guys getting more certainty that they weren't just getting, you know, colored water. They were getting exactly what they thought they were because they, they watched, you know, they put it on themselves. That much chemical went on that many beans. And now where it's really started to evolve is guys are like, I want to expand my operation and, you know, just the maybe the local ag retailer doesn't want to do something as a game day treatment, right? Or, you know, doesn't have the ability to do something like that. And so when you have your own machine, you can start to figure out for yourself, like, what works for me on, on my farm and try to get those, you know, I like to say base hits, you know, stop trying to get home runs, and just try to get a base hit. Just get on base. Get on base. And all of those little things add up yeah. over time. Yeah. And that's way, the way we're working with a lot of our guys today is just trying to get them a little bit better than what they were a year ago. So you just touched on something that I guess I wanted to leads me into another question. You know, as we go out through all this and all these various seed treatments and, of course, all of these combinations, you know, so many different combinations and recombinations. I think that's a pretty daunting task for anybody, particularly the farmer. And in some of those cases, your choice in treatment may be dictated somewhat by where you where you're buying your seed in some cases. So in some cases that might be the right choice for you as a grower because you're not geared or set up to do that. But I guess what advice do you give to growers? What are the questions or the ideas they need to take into account when they're going to talk about their seed purchase and what they're going to do for seed treatment, whether it's something they're going to do or whether they're going to have that, uh, they're purchasing that through a, you know, a, a retailer or someone who's doing that for them? What do they need to be asking the question about? I think... That's a whole nother, um, <laughs> that's just a whole nother discussion. But, but I think um, the basic questions that you want to be asking is how did they get 
to that decision? Why are they recommending Olivo? Why are they recommending Soltro? Why are they recommending blank FNI and have a uh, have a good, clear understanding as to why that retailer made that recommendation. And the other question I would be asking is, so what else are they trying and what else are they looking at? Because the game is changing. Putting on the same thing that we put on five years ago, that's just not where it's at today. The guys getting the higher yields, they're continuing to evolve and they're continuing to advance. And so this concept of running the, the same old thing that, that heck dad put on, on on his acres just isn't really where this thing's going. So you would want to have a discussion. Whoever's treating your seed for you now, if you're not doing it yourself, you would want to know what are the different things that they're they're looking at. And if they have a good response to that where you can, you know, feel good about that, great. If you're not happy with the response to that question and they're kind of flat-footed, well, I don't know, somebody upstairs a lot higher than me makes those decisions, yeah, that's probably not the answer I would want to hear. And then I might look at, you know, for other opportunities for somebody that's got a, a machine that can put on anything under the sun or you know, look into doing it yourself. So you talked about some of the change that's happening and, and some of the interesting things going on. What's something that you're excited about in the seed treatment sphere that you and your your folks at My Yield are excited about? Yeah, I think from our standpoint, we're just like, we've been working on it for, for quite a while. And, you know, Tyler working in our greenhouse program has really developed what I kind of claim to be like a an offensive type treatment where in the past, you know, you've just had disease protection from, you know, your Pythium phytophthora, Fusarium rhizoc. Well, as, as we talk about, maybe you've got a perfectly pattern tiled farm and if you plant it on the perfect day and you get great growing conditions for the next 30 days, that the grower wouldn't have seen any advantage to of treating those beans. Well, there are some treatments now that we're kind of more going out on offense with to increase yield, even in the absence of the traditional seedling uh, hmm. pest and disease. And we're trying to kind of help our growers and improve their yield from that standpoint. And so that is definitely something that's been changing over the over the last five years from just being a, hey, David, save a bunch of money, do it yourself. That isn't the reason to do it today. The reason to do it today is yield. It's how else can I take another step forward on my operation? And of course, with commodity prices starting to kind of pull back and yields being challenging, we've it's it's got to be about yield using technologies that help improve yield. And probably more so, you know, I guess instead of viewing it as raising the floor, you're talking about, you know, raising the ceiling, right, potentially. Yeah, I think that's a great way to say it. So for growers who are, you know, right now trying to make their seed decisions and trying to make their crop plans and they're wanting to learn more about the seed treatment sphere, I mean, where do you recommend that they go? Start with 
any of your, you know, your land grant universities that have a good base. I think that's a great, I think that's a great place to start. Being able to learn the terms, learn the terminology on what the different active ingredients are. Why am I using this uh, active ingredient and what is it trying to control on my field? I think any of the land grants would have some some good data on that. You know, Iowa State, um, Wisconsin's got good stuff. Um, LSU in the South has got you know some terrific uh, some terrific mm-hmm. stuff. So just any of those is is a good place to start. Um, certainly visiting our website, the Empowering Farmers, we've got articles and stories on there about how you can use seed treatment to actually further you know further advancement of your farm and improve the overall return on return on investment for your farm and that's that's definitely uh you know the next level and then just reaching out and having a conversation on on what we can actually do to to help you awesome well charlie thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today we really enjoy the partnership we've had with you and with my yield and uh, your continued commitment to improving the roi for growers all across the united states and sharing your knowledge about seed, seed treatment technologies uh thanks for joining us Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Well, that's our time for today. I want to thank our guests and our listeners for joining us on another episode of the Stein Seedcast. We'll be back again soon with more expert interviews and insights about all things Stein. And to never miss an episode, subscribe to the Stein Seedcast wherever podcasts are found. Subscribe to the Stein Seedcast wherever podcasts are found. To learn more about Stein and its elite corn and soybean genetics, visit steinseed.com. Stein has yield.